Hey, what's up, everybody? This is David Sinhang, and I uh, wanted to share with you. Um, this is episode seventy-two of David Sinhang Reflections and Lessons um, about a book I just read with David Chang. For those of you who don't know who David Chang is, he's a fa- he is a famous restaurateur. Uh, he owns Momofuku Noodle Bar. Um, along with many other restaurant groups. Um, His book was pretty interesting. Um, Just to give you more context in his life. So he owns Milk Bar, uh, Momofuku Noodle Bar, the Siam Bar in in New York City. And he's on TV, uh, has a Netflix original called Ugly Delicious. And then another Netflix show called Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner. Um, And... Last year, he became the first celebrity to win the um, Who Wants to Be uh, win a million dollars for charity on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Um, But yeah, so today I'm going to read quotes from his book that resonated with me and share you why I thought it was interesting. So I'll go ahead and start. Uh, So his book is called Eat. Uh, a peach. Uh, so I'll link to that earlier. Um, but um, Momofuku is it means uh, peach. So that, that's why um, I wanted to talk about that. So the, the point of this sharing with you all this is to learn lessons from the Asian American perspective. So And in summary, his book is about overcoming adversity from the lens of being Asian American. So the first quote, the downside to the term tiger parenting entering the mainstream vocabulary is that it gives a cute name to what is actually a painful and demoralizing existence. It also feeds into the perception that all Asian kids are book smart because their parents make it so. Well, guess what? It's not true. Not all of our parents are tiger parents. Tiger parenting doesn't always work, then not all Asian kids are good at school. In fact, not all Asian kids are any one thing. To be young in Asian America often means fighting a multi-front war against sameness. Uh, This really resonated with me because I was never a great student, um, did not do well in school. Um, I mean, I was ranked in the top 25% of the school. So, you know, I mean, not great, but not horrible right so I'm not going to lie and say that I was I was like the worst student but I I didn't get good grades but I did take higher classes like mostly honors and uh, IB which is the international baccalaureate program um but yeah I was was certainly not good at math or calculus or any of that stuff Uh, number two when I refer when I returned to New York from Tokyo, I started my dead-end job at finance at the financial services company. I would ride my Gary Fisher bike all over Manhattan, weaving in and out of traffic, blowing through stoplights if I was the only person on the street. I once went skiing with a friend who told me to cool it because I was getting too close to the trees. I defied them and completely obliterated myself in the foliage. One day, I stepped off the curb in Central Park as a bus was backing up. It hit me and hurt a great deal. There was a New Year's Eve party in 2000 that 
began with Valium, Speed Pot, this, that, and the other, washed down with around 20 drinks and ended up with my falling through a, a giant glass table. Blood was everywhere, shards of glass embedded in my wrist. The ER doctor said I narrow, narrowly missed an artery. I wonder if my recklessness was a cry for help, disguised as youth, as youthful indiscretion, or maybe I was hoping that the bottom of the bottle would be the courage to step in front of the train. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I think a lot of people struggle with mental health and depression. Um, it's crazy to think how some of the most successful people in the world, uh, I would, I would, def I would say David's had a, a significant amount of success. I mean, he's pretty much mainstream now. Anyone who lives in New York city sees his billboard, uh, billboards across the, the, the city, not to mention his restaurant and him winning a James Beard award, uh, which is basically the Grammys and Oscars equivalent in the, in the restaurant tiering world. Number three, I spent a lot of time resisting Dr. Elliot's questions about my childhood, but it all came out eventually. There were the fear of abandonment generated from a, being left alone so as much as a kid. There was a toll of constant exposure to my dad's intensity and conflict with my mom. The God stuff came up a lot, especially how, why, and why I took it so seriously. And there, there was the most consistent theme of not fitting in. Not in my family, not among other Koreans, not in a waspy high school or college, not in the kitchen. I told him I felt inadequate when I foot, when I stood next to blue-blooded white Americans or in a French-style brigade. I talked about 9-11 and my classmate who killed himself with his dad's pistol in the third grade. And the three friends I lost right after college, one to suicide and one to an overdose, one to a freak accident. I felt surrounded by death. Yeah, I mean, you know, my takeaway from this conversation, I mean, there are a lot of takeaways, but um, imposter syndrome is really real for many Asian Americans who are minorities, who most minorities would say that were white adjacent um, and not fitting in obviously with white society because of color of our skin and, and um you know, he and he talks about even when he goes to Korea, like sticking out like a sore thumb because of how American we are. So not even being accepted by Koreans, his, his own ethnicity. So it's an interesting. Um, I remember being called a, a Twinkie, uh, which means that I'm white on the inside, yellow on the outside by Asians. Uh, and that definitely uh, traumatized me a little bit. You know, if I was to reflect on my middle school experience. And. Number four, for starters, one needs to understand contracts, real estate management, and publicity, not to mention the craft of cooking and food, cooking good food. That's what people call a compound art. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of business owners don't think about whether you're passionate about architecture or real estate or anything else. There's so many more components, whether it's a legality, the contracts, um, finding location, managing people, uh, PR. There's so many aspects to it. Uh, I think to be successful in the modern age, um, you sort of have to be a jack of all trades if you want to own your own business in many ways. It's not enough just to have passion for whatever it is that business you're running. There's so many other components to it that many people don't think about. Number five. 
At Noodle Bar, I also learned that Asian people drank the ramen broth. White people only ate the noodles. If we serve the, the soup lukewarm, Asian customers would complain that it was too hot, then white people wouldn't touch it until it cooled down. By then, the noodles, noodles would be soggy. As a cook, you're in a never-ending dance with your diners. So my takeaway from this is uh, you can't always please everyone, but it's important to take feedback and, and adapt according to your customer base. So knowing your customer and knowing your audience is huge in anything in life. And uh, number six, Asian names that can be that could be misinterpreted as swear words in English. The EPA tried to shut us down because they were getting complaints of pork smells emanating from the restaurant, which is not an uncommon grievance leveled against Asian establishments and gentrifying neighborhoods. PETA picketed the restaurant on a few occasions that we served for Gua. When we started getting complaints about the noisiness of our HVAC unit, I swear it was the vegans trying to bleed us dry. We spent thousands trying to uh, changing the fan belt and proving that the noises was coming from the exhaust was inaudible to human ears. Um, yeah, it's interesting things that we don't really think about, right? Obviously, I don't own an Asian restaurant, but um, it, you know, who knows if the inspectors are, are are somewhat biased, right? It's just things that we don't really think about. Number seven. I attempted to blame Han throughout the book. I will argue the validity of various cultural truths, but I believe in Han. There's no perfect English language equivalent for this. Korean emotion, but it's some combination of strife or unease, sadness and resentment born from the many historical injustices and indignities endured by our people. It's a term that came into the 20th century after the Japanese occupation of Korea, and it describes this characteristic sore, uh, sorrow and bitterness that Koreans seem to possess when they are in the world. It's transmitted from generation to generation and defines much of the art, literature and cinema that comes out of Korean culture. This is a quite a beautiful statement to be with. Um, I noticed that um, being Vietnamese and, and, you know, a lot of our families have been um, refugees escaping the war to come to America. Definitely can relate to some of this. Um, I, also, I also feel like that's why I resonate with a lot of uh, black music, like more urban music, because um, growing up, um, you know, with not a lot of resources, uh, I can relate to a lot of what they're saying in the rap, um, talking about like wanting to move up and some of the sadness that comes with growing up. Um, I mean, ultimately, we all have some sort of sadness, resentment, but, um, you know, when it comes from a place of like obviously ancestors with slavery and, and, and more of like colonialization and being conquered by different European states, et cetera, or countries, you know, there is there's certainly a relatedness to that. So um, it's an interesting perspective. Number eight, I will not deny that there are benefits to being part of what it's often described as white adjacent or model minority. I grew up trying my damnness to integrate into white society, but among the many problems with the myth of model minority is that it erases the nuances of the Asian American experience. It also sows division both within our community and with others. Now, if you forgive a little bit of self-directed racial discrimination, I am from what you might call a Twinkie, what I mentioned earlier, yellow on the outside, white on the inside. There are various factions within the Asian American population 
I definitely reside in the one that looks Asian but lives like a white person. When I visit Korea as part of a program with students from multiple colleges, I found myself excluded from from all of the Korean-born, Korean-speaking, and generally more Korean social groups that form. Then once landed in Seoul, the locals knew immediately from my size that I was a a Gyopo or a foreign-born Korean. So I gravitated to the other Twinkies. I didn't yet know how to embrace my Korean heritage, which ironically only deepened my experience of Han. Number nine, by confronting failure, you take fear out of the equation. You start shying away from ideas just because they seem like they may not work. You start asking whether an idea is bad because it's actually bad or because the common wisdom says so. You begin to thrive when you're not supposed to. You just have to be comfortable with instability, change, and a great deal of stress. Um, yeah, I would say this is a good, you know, I think con- being contrarian can be helpful sometimes. I think that some of the most successful people in the world are always ch- challenging some sort of common wisdom and common truth uh, with Elon Musk, with building Tesla and and trying to take away America's dependence on um, you know, oil and gas, right? There's, there's just so many examples of when people have tried to break through the norms and have had a lot of success. And not to mention, they're some of the most inspirational people in the world. Number 10. All of a sudden, I could stay in my underwear and visit some dude's blog to see pictures of every dish from the latest menu of Pierre Gagnier's in Paris. Not all of the bloggers knew what they were talking about, but some of them were even more knowledgeable than writers working in the New York bubble. But the writing is so bad, it was a common complaint. So as long as there were pictures of the food, it didn't matter to me. It was a giant leap forward. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good reminder to just get inspiration from others. And I know we're often in our own bubbles. I'm in the tech bubble. You know, I worked for one of the best companies in the world. So obviously, you know, my perspective maybe not what everyone else has experienced, right? Especially during COVID when a lot of people are struggling. I've had literally the best year of my life, right? So clearly, you know, I'm in my own bubble because of that experience. Number 11, I'm bad at letting people go, whether it's by their choice or mine. I scream and shout a lot, too much, but I've always had a hard time firing anyone. I like knowing that everyone is around. I yearn for the acceptance and the comfort of my friends and family. I hate the idea that they'll leave me. It drags up all matter of old hurts. I feel foolish for trusting that they ever cared about me or Momofuku. At the end of the day, we all yearn for some sort of acceptance, whether it's from our friends or our family. Yeah, I mean, so many of us are seeking validation elsewhere, right? Where the reality is, is only when we truly accept ourselves will we'll be able to move on and truly be happy. There were some, number 12. So this would be the last quote. So there were some guys who said things like, I needed to take a shower to wash the gook off after hooking up with Asian girls in schools. Now there now there was a class reunion coming up and they were inviting me to hang out. These sort of interactions really screwed with my head. I didn't become famous for being handsome or athletic or musically gifted. I was just a cook. It really, this is interesting because he has a point there. Cooks are not often viewed as in our society. Um, they're not as 
celebrated as like what he said as beauty or being athletic or musically gifted right um there it's interesting because so many of us take cooks for for granted i know when i go to a great restaurant um you know it's rare for me to truly truly have gratitude for the cooks right it's, it's sort of like a given um you know how many of us can share more love for people in the hospitality industry um just just food for thought well I wanted to share takeaways from this book because uh, I thought he was able to take advantage of the internet and all the rising bloggers and realize the importance of building a community and treating them right where um, his peers did not respect them and the power that they had. He was also very vulnerable um, about a lot of the microaggressions and straight up racism that he's experienced in a Eurocentric dominated industry, right? How many of us people pay a premium for French cuisine and Italian cuisine, but, you know, they're not, people are willing to pay a lot for Asian food, right? Like Chinese food. It's a, it's an interesting concept um, that he, he dissects. Um, well, we, you know, he also did mention that because of his restaurants, like Asian restaurants are starting to get more respect that they reserve, but we still have a long way to go. Well, I hope you enjoyed some of these takeaways and yeah, hope everyone has an amazing day.